0: This transmission has actually been brought to you by the visual communication students of the RCA and our theme for this afternoon was the internet wants you dead, which I know is a slightly alarming statement, but I wanted to draw people's attention to the fact that we tend still to think of network technology and network practices as somehow being utopian, uh, somehow being a a kind of free market uh, cognitive approach to problem solving, and I wanted to uh, underline, not just to be malicious or mischievous, but, but to prompt a more broader understanding of the history of, of communication practice in the 19th and 20th 21st century, the relationship between network communication and military strategy and military planning, um, which we're now seeing flowering in the form of cyber warfare or the use of... Um, things like Twitter and Facebook as as one CNN and an analyst called it recently tools for social warfare. So that was the that was the basic um, display that I was I was laying out for the students. And Liu, your response was, um,
1: I'm kind of very interested in the content that you talk about um, internet, um, right beginning from the invention of technology, thinking machine, at from analyzing into building out into broader communication approach um, by um, by the steps developed over the years we talk about um, different people in different countries especially in America, America and in Europe that who contributed a lot into this area and also we also talk about the social media and what we are doing at the moment and what how what kind of expect we will achieve in the future are we considering warfare in the co- way of communication and uh, receiving and, uh, or distributing information at a moment and what we can get from this kind of social phenomenon
0: yeah I think th- I mean in a sense I was careful not to talk about the future okay. um, what I was saying may have sounded futuristic in terms of the idea that social media are actual weapons and that there is a, an information war going on at the moment, which is about social division, which is about weakening our belief in the governmental democratic social systems that we're part of, um, that is very much aligned with what has broadly been referred to as culture wars. Um, these, you know, th- this is happening now. And I think that when I, when I look back on some of the more uh, extravagant statements of, for example, a, a media thinker, a theorist like Paul Virilio, who died earlier this year, um, when he talks about the idea of data being transmitted at the speed of light being weaponized, um, it turns out he wasn't just being poetic. He wasn't just being expansive. Um, the idea of actually projecting an image, a text, sound into someone else's world actually can be highly disruptive, highly destructive uh, in ways that I think we're only just beginning to grasp. Um, As I said, I think if I if I'd been presenting this talk even two years ago I would have still been looking at the relationship between um, network theoreticians, uh, digital designers and the military because that was definitely a growing field from sort of 1991, 1992, with the first Iraq war. You saw the development of what Tim Lenoir, the the American historian, refers to as the military entertainment complex, where you were actually seeing image makers, designers, special effects people working with the military on highly specific military programs. And I would think that's, that's where we are at the moment. But that would be two years ago. Now I think that it is actually the, the the devices that we're comfortable with the ones that we're used to using these are now the, the flashpoints these are now where I, I think a genuine attempt to destabilise uh, societies and cultures is, is, is now taking place and it's being done deliberately so that's a cheery thought but also I didn't want to that's why I begin with Ada Lovelace and why I begin with her, her vision of uh... Something that a a vision of reality, which is much more about how interconnected we are, how we all do influence and shape and change and 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 have have a fundamental relationship with each other. Um, And while I think distance has shifted um, our uh, perspective. Uh, on what communication is like, m- communication is now taking place instantaneously in real time over enormous distances, which means that we are further and further removed from our audiences or from the person we're communicating with. Which also allows for the introduction of uh, how can I put it, a shifting identity. So, you know, I joked about how does anyone remember anonymous because they just suddenly seem very irrelevant to what's happening now. But I think, and this is something I always warn myself about, and other students as well, is that because something looks obsolete or doesn't really seem to fit in our time anymore, it looks a bit dated, that's no reason why we shouldn't examine it. Quite often, you can find some really interesting things in stuff that just feels a little bit past its sell-by date. And I think, for me, the the fascinating aspect of Anonymous is it's anonymity. The idea that this in itself could be, uh, shall I say, a weapon, shall I say something that could be utilized to political ends or social ends. That the idea of refusing your name, the idea of giving a false name or giving no name whatsoever, of actually becoming part of a connected group, that suddenly seemed really, really threatening and really mysterious. and. I remember observing at the time that the people I felt most suspicious of when it came to Anonymous were the ones that were claiming to be authorities on it. You know, why? How? how you know, how can I trust you as an authority on this? You know, I would have thought that the very, the very fact that you can claim to be that suggests that you actually have no relationship with this, with this collective consciousness, this collective identity. So. Yeah, it seems a little dated, but that's no reason why we can't sort of still get some useful information uh, out of it. But yes, it does seem like it's from a different era now. And also, I think, sorry, I d- I, uh, uh, the other thing I'd like to add is that you know, I, I, I love people like the phone freaks, and I love organizations like SLN. I like, I like the people who, who sort of attempt to create a, a, a kind of counterculture within an existing system. Uh, I love the fact that they're open to experimentation quite often, um, I mean most of the hackers I've met, the thing I like about them is that their first question is what else can this thing do? Like these are the ones who actually start to sort of push the actual limits of what technology can do by saying well what else can we use it for? Um, You know the phone freaks they pick up a phone and say what else can we use this for? What else can we do with it? Oh yeah actually it's just a big computer, how do we access it? What else can we do with it? Uh, how, what kind of communication can we create? They helped create the kind of uh, ground, if you like, the, the common ground for the kind of communication practices that we have today. At the time, there were a bunch of annoying 17, 18-year-old kids um, who were messing with, the, messing with the phone. But I think what they, what they opened our eyes to and what they, what they uh, gave access to, you know, the, the, the hackers that came after them, they're really where technology lives, not not at Apple, not at, not not in the established black box communities, but the people who sort of say, what else can this do? Let's find out.
1: I think the kind of black box technology can also be something inspiring to the new younger generations to create their own ways of communicating.
0: Uh, you're gonna have to elaborate on that just a little bit. Um,
1: um, for example, if we want something not like Apple, because mm-hmm. Apple brings us lots of conveniency at the same time it mm. controls it in some way you have to go to apple bay for example Ooh. um if we want something more convenient for us mm. with less control in some way that mm. we' probably develop something not apple but mm. probably watermelon or lemon
0: mm.
1: Mm, in another way, but similarly some kind of
0: fruit that isn't an apple basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm with i I'm, I'm, yeah i I think that. Going back to, to the, 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 that quote from Vannevar Bush, where you know he's laughing at Charles Babbage, because you know, even though he had all these backers, he didn't have the kind of organization which allowed him to, to, to develop the analytical engine to the point where it could actually have some bigger societal impact. Um, Bush is also missing the point that there is, there is a, a, a fascination with play. There's a fascination with having fun. The phone freaks were having fun on another level. The people at Esselen. part of that was just about pleasure. Like how, how pleasure affects the body, the mind, the spirit. Uh, and, and, and I think that we can't really let go of that either. That, that, that Babbage and Lovelace, in their own, in their own worlds, were actually kind of having fun with the material that they were working with. Certainly, I think Ada Lovelace was. I think there's something incredibly playful about this this vision of the, of the interconnectedness of, of life. And it doesn't surprise me that you know she gave up a lot of her time to gambling later, um, because I think that there is there is there is joy to be had in in trying to work out the odds and play against them. Um, and so again, that's another reason why. Although the talk might have seemed pessimistic on occasion, I I still actually don't feel pessimistic. I actually feel quite optimistic about our, 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 our sheer inventiveness, which I think still has to be something that's bound up in the development of something which is still, as someone pointed out during the discussion, is still relatively young, still relatively new. Although we can trace its antecedents back into the 19th century, the phenomenon itself is still new. And it's still evolving, and it's still developing. And at the moment, it's going through a bad patch. But uh, you know, I don't see why it should always be there. But as I said in, in, the, in our discussion, there are some really serious policy decisions have to be made, some really serious work has to be undertaken. Um, because I think a lot of the thinking is just totally uh, irrelevant. You know, they, they, These are not neutral platforms. They never have been. Should we wrap it up on that?
1: Yes. Yeah, thank you very much. No, thank I.
0: you. Thank you very much, and to you as well.